So we're grateful and thankful to open ourselves to a healing, opening ourselves to the unprecedented flow of divine wisdom, true clarity. So grateful and thankful to allow the higher Holy Spirit self to guide us, to be our teacher, to be our lead, to be our deliverer, deliverer and our comforter. We are grateful and thankful to gather together for the purpose of remembering and recognizing our wholeness, our beauty, the wisdom, the inherent wisdom, the natural perfection. We are grateful and thankful that this life of love that we're leading is ever expansive and by its nature unprecedented. We are so grateful and thankful to consciously attune to the very love of God shining in our mind. And this is the purpose of our gathering together. It's a blessing and it's a healing to each one of us. Whether we listen live or listen later, it's a healing. We are grateful to share the benefits of our healing with all beings because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Mm -hmm. Well, first I'd like to just apologize for that last-minute change last week. I um, uh, There was so much activity all of a sudden here. It just became uh, too too difficult to try and uh, maintain a space or, or anything like that, and I don't have Wi-Fi in my tent. I did try to work that out, but it didn't work out. So um, we'll make that class up later. And uh, what we're talking about here is the, uh, the eulogies. So working on these eulogies. So the assignment was to write a, a eulogy or at least come up with the highlights, the high points, of what you would write in that eulogy for your life if it were to be given to now. What would your eulogy say? And then to compare and co contrast that with what you would like it to say uh, decades from now at the, the possible future eulogy time. So uh, really looking at what is the you could say the legacy that you'd like to live uh, in the rest of your days. What is the legacy that you'd like to actively live in your life? And so talking that out, thinking about it, because it's, it's something that a lot of people don't actually think about uh, unless they're prompted. And when most people aren't prompted. Rich was uh, uh, an exception there. And it's so helpful to think about it because it actually is very, very energizing. Uh, and, of course, at, at first uh, look, it can seem daunting. It can seem challenging. It can seem undesirable to look at it or think about it. But my experience has been that ultimately it becomes quite energizing and helpful. So um, that said, I'd just like to take a checkpoint 
and see where people are with this uh, exercise, this homework. So, since Diane, you're the only one I can see, um, would you like to start us off? Just give us a report where you are. Sure, um, I'd be happy to. Uh, the, the conversation last week with our community call was, was uh, good. It helped me to put things into a bit of a better perspective. And I had shared that I, I felt I was, um, I guess it's trying to balance taking it very seriously with lightening up um, because I, uh, I was finding it a very heavy assault. Um, just contemplating who's gonna read it, who's gonna be there. Um, and I, I was just finding it very, a very heavy, as you said, daunting. So I tried to look at it more like, <coughs> excuse me, an, an exercise, you know, uh, so trying to lighten up a bit. And the last few days, I've been trying to think of it as, can I just get a couple of sentences or even one sentence? If I could just get one, <coughs> excuse me, sentence. And so I was thinking of even, um, I become a lot more conscious of words people are using around me. Um, words like appreciation and blossoming and happy. So, and I'm just becoming a lot more aware of that right now is that um, in the past, I've been very aware of people's negativity. Whereas now for some reason, I'm seeing a lot more, um, a lot more of the positive words that I might want to put in, like um, appreciation for life or, um, you know, so I'm getting some phrases to try to build some sentences. That's kind of where I am. Okay, that's great. That's really good. I, I Yes, and that's the kind of thing precisely that I was thinking of. So I really wasn't thinking of who would – who would uh, read your uh, eulogy or who would be there. But those those are natural things that we think of. You know, what kind of snacks are they going to serve? Is it going to be at night in the morning? What would you like? Um, I'll just say as an aside, my father said many, many, many years ago, just kind of in an offhanded way, there was a conversation about funerals or what would you like done at your funeral. And he said, Death is a spectator sport, so whatever will comfort the people after I'm gone is what they should do. And um, and that's uh, I, I I I more or less agree. And still, I do think it's helpful to give people some thoughts or guidelines about things uh, because that can be helpful to them. That can be a way that they can honor our lives is by following through on our wishes. I've seen that with so many people that those who have wishes from their parents and loved ones that they can follow through on, it's comforting to them. It's helpful to them. So myself, I, I really, why would I care what, what happens after I'm gone? In, a, in the sense of with my body or my things um, to a large degree. But 
I really am seeing that it is comforting to your loved ones if they know what you would like. It's a way to honor you, and that helps them to feel better about letting you go. So but that's just an aside. So um, let's see what other people have to say, and then we'll come back. And that's a great start for us, Diane. So who, who might be willing to go next? Either you can unmute yourself and go ahead. Just we're just getting started here. No 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 perfection required. I'll, I'll jump in since All I'm right. That's <laughs> great. Um um the work I had done last week is um I'm busy seeing this as a journey in my life uh from just fear to love. Um that's been my tagline that I've been working with and then trying to flesh out around that. What does that mean? But that has been the journey because I look back, a lot of the decisions I've made were fear-based up until now in my life. Uh, a lot of the places I went and the careers I chose were the safe careers or following along family dynamics. And uh, I truly as I come into love, I'm really truly becoming myself. And that is an amazing aspect of it. I think, uh, and coming to that true mission of, uh, you know, being the light of the world here, which is what I want to be. Yes. So, uh, this I'm happy about, but I'm in the midst of an incredible summer aggravation. So, <laughs> barely leaving the house right now <laughs> yeah so uh so but there's plenty of time to do this work so that's that's the good point you know there's that opportunity uh so i look at look at the story in that respect um uh christy my wife has asked me well what do you want done when you die and i said well you know i'm just like uh Y'all's family there, I, 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 you know, I do realize that funerals are for the living. It's not for, for me. Um, and uh, we just talked about different places to uh, scatter the ashes type things. But um, I will probably finish and write that eulogy and just give it to her and say, here's, you know, the hope for the dream in my life. Mm. And share it. Mm. Can I have a side, by the way? Yes. It's off topic, but it's just kind of cool. Yes. You know, sometimes you get those answered prayers in your life. And, I, you know, in relationship to my spouse. And uh, there's been one of those major shifts in her life. And it was just amazing to watch it happen, to be a spectator there and not force anything, you just pray around things and observe this incredible major shift in her life. And uh, it's just kind of cool to see it happen, you know, to be the spectator <laughs> and see um, spirit working through her life in the most unusual ways. Well, you are far more than a spectator, Rain. I know. 
I is an integral part of it, actually. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, tell tell us because her success is your success because she your your consciousnesses are linked and you're holding her in the highest and and it's been um, such a an intense. Uh, I was talking about this yesterday in the sacred circle. You, you all know how, how we've talked about this in the past um, in uh, the Seven Sacred Flames book, yes. in chapter about the rose pink ray, the ray of divine love. It talks about people will, uh, as part of their initiations uh, in the rose ray, they will uh, live with people that are very difficult to be around in order to help release the attachments, in order to clarify and purify their mind, and to develop their spiritual sovereignty, and that this is just one of the initiations. And so uh, your last couple of years with Christy, in a sense, felt to me like that, that Rose Ray initiation. Yes. And I guess I've been seeking this uh, all my life. <laughs> I know I have. <laughs> First partner that I've done this with. So uh, obviously it's the journey that I've been on. So uh, uh, there's much to be grateful for, I guess. So tell us, tell us some of the, the, the things that, that are happening? Well, uh, she uh, decided to uh, start going to AA meetings. Wow. And that has just, it's a spiritual pathway. And uh, yes, it is. And uh, diving in and uh, and the energy levels are just zoomed for her and purpose oh. zoomed. Um, happiness levels have zoomed. Uh, it's like all of a sudden she's got a direction. Mm. Now she's a very private person, so I'm sharing that little tidbit, but uh, uh, I'm happy for her tremendously that she chose to make that jump. Uh, I'm happy for both of you. Yeah. And we'll see what what comes next. Yes. Yes, that's huge. Beautiful. Thank you. So that's a small side. I hope I didn't disrupt. <laughs> it seems pretty big to me. It, yeah, it's what well, is big, big, but it's yeah, it's off topic. <laughs> that's okay. It's it's the topic is our success and uh, our growth, and that's right on that topic. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yay. Who's next? Here, I'll. Oh, God. Isn't there anyone you can see that hasn't spoken? Um, I can, I can feel the emotion, but, um, I'm really retraining my body. It's been, it's been a program, it's habitual to be sad and, and upset and tense and stuff. And so I don't feel 
in my mind, it's not there. But I'm retraining my body. So if actually comes up, I'm not really sad. I realized what I was telling myself, see, that my, body, my family doesn't even know this side of me at all. They see me as I used to be, which was really shut down. So I realized, and probably the one, there's one person that's not an MLC who really knows, who's not an MLC who knows me, um, would speak, and that I realized what I wanted to do was tell my family how much I loved them, because I've never done that in this life. And or maybe I have it in words, but I don't think I've ever really felt that love and acceptance. And I realized, why wait until I die? <laughs> That's silly. <laughs> but, and... My the pattern of behavior of thinking is kicking in. So unless I act, <laughs> I, you know, that's what I do is I have great ideas and I don't act on them, and they and then the ego takes over and talks me out of them. So I'm saying it here because I'm not interested in that. I, I really don't know how to do that. So I'm offering up the spirit to support me and. Showing me how. So, and I think what I'd like to say besides that, if I want to be, I noticed my thinking was what I want to be instead of what I've accomplished, what's, what is. And that was, I think the, that's where that I, my family doesn't know I, that I really, how I really feel. And um, because I thought I share with them this stuff, <laughs> it would really freak them out. So I tend to separate myself and let them go because I'm the ego is constantly judging them, right? And I believe in my ego sometimes. And um, I guess what I'd like to say is. How transformed I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I was living in that darkness for so long. Yeah. So long in my this lifetime, who knows how many lifetimes, but in this lifetime, remember, I'll sit in the darkness and I'm not. If I do the hokey pokey in the darkness, <laughs> stick my right foot in, my right foot out, but I don't live there anymore. And I don't know how to say that. And I'd like someone else to be able to say, because I don't know, but 
I guess that's what came up with. I so relate, Carla. I so relate. Yes. Yes. And I feel so blessed, so blessed to be able to be on this journey with you and to witness your willingness, your transformation, and how much you offer and share and help others. It is exceptional. Yeah. And I would encourage you that when you, um, as you're working on this, these two eulogies, that um, you do share with your family. In some way, you know, just to, to let them know what's going on with you and how you feel. You don't have to share the eulogies per se, but to just say, hey, I've been taking stock and I just wanted to give you an update and how I'm feeling about myself and my life and, and really sincerely how much I love you and I'm grateful you're in my life. I haven't done a lot of forgiveness letters, but it feels like, in a way, that's a forgiveness letter transformed, you know, but it would be about being grateful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I, I'm planning I plan on going in that. Mm. However, it comes out, it comes out. Yeah. So this is I'm really grateful for this um, opportunity to see this. Yes. Yes, it's beautiful. That's it. You know, um, there's no question in my experience, that the things that will often bring the most benefit are the things that I resist the most. The things that have within them the keys, door openers, however we'd like to describe them, the catapults are the things I often resist the most. I see nods, heads nodding. So um and and uh like I remember uh oh four years ago um there was someone in year two master for living made a time to talk with me in a check in early in the year and said, "I hate this sacred flames book. I just hate it. I don't want to have to read it, and I'm mad at you for making us read it." I just, it doesn't have anything to do with what I am interested in, and I just really don't like it. And I said, you know, well, I can respect that and understand that and, and put it aside then. 
And um, once she got it off her chest, it seemed, you know, that she just got to express how she felt, then she relaxed and she was willing to take a look at it. And a few months later, she said, could I record all the meditations and share them with everybody in the class? Because I love this book, and I love these meditations, and I love, 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 love it, and I'm so glad that I got over my aversion to it. And so um, there are frequently experiences like that where people get mad at me. They don't want to do something that I, I feel guided to suggest. And, yeah, it is perfectly acceptable to me that people would express their revulsion, their repulsion, their aversion, their whatever. And, you know, it's that's where it's safe space for these things to come up and to be healed and brought to the light. And if people don't like a particular book or an exercise, that's fine. And um, yet what I see is we are ever increasingly a group of people who are just willing, just willing. And um, even though we have resistance, we're still willing. And that's, that's a, just a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. So we've also got here... Um, one of our Rhode Island friends on the phone. I don't know if you want to share. We have such a small group this week. I don't think we've ever had such a small group in class. All right, whoever's on the phone is not unmuting. All right, so since we have such a small group, rather than do individual breakouts, we'll just break out together. And um, so my, my invitation in this breakout is to discuss what are, oh, there's our Rhode Islander. Did you want to share? Yes, I, I can't tell if you – can you hear me? This is Karen. Yes, Karen, now we can hear you. Okay, great. I, I just didn't – anyway, here I am. Uh, yeah, I'd like to share. Um, so what comes to me just loud and clear over and over again uh, is in alignment with that idea that um, funerals are really there to comfort those who are there. I get that. and um, And I think one of the ways to do that is to – to open up the microphone, I think I talked about it when we first came up with the conversation around eulogy, open up the microphone for the people who are there for whatever reason to share with the, with the family, with the friends, why they're there, what impact that person made on their life, and, uh, you know, what the legacy is, because I think so often uh, family and friends don't know about the many facets of our lives and 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 I, we would even be surprised if we heard people say how we've impacted their lives as for myself um what i think is loudest and clearest for me is that i came to make the world a better place 
and to leave it better than I found it in the sense of remembering the truth of who I am and what we're here to do. It's it's less about what I've been doing in form and more about um, what we're doing at the level of, of self and spirituality. And uh, and I do like to do that when I'm around my grandkids is to carry a litter bag and pick things up and just keep saying always leave places better than you find them. Um, you know, treat animals and plants and people with respect and uh you know just just to continue identifying and making the highest and most loving choices beautiful Yes. We have a dear friend right now in Oklahoma City who is preparing to make his transition. And when I was with him, um, you met him. His name was Weldon. He was at the Oklahoma City retreat. He's the older man. He, he's 92 right now. But when you were there, you know, he was right around 89, 90. And uh, he's been kind of the backbone of our A Course in Miracles study group. He and his wife and when his wife passed away, Rich officiated at, their, at her funeral, and I think Rich and I mentioned this in the last class that, that um, you know, Rich has been asked to do it again. So here we are. Um, we're waiting to get the news and then find out from his family if that's, in fact, what he wants. So in thinking about preparing for his eulogy, it's so synchronous with this activity Um you know, what would he like to have a say versus what would give me pleasure in saying about him? I, I don't know which is more important. But I do think that um, it's really fun to eulogize. <laughs> it's really fun to reflect on the gifts people give us. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is so I hope people would have fun eulogizing me. That's what I guess I would hope. And yeah. I guess being Irish, I think Irish are supposed to really have fun at the wakes, you know, and I, I think that, you know, people can laugh and cry and um, come away feeling good about it. That's, that's, that's great. Yes, exactly. Yes. I remember that at my grandfather's funeral, it was very different from my grandmother's because my grandfather was grieving so much that my grandmother died, and so was my father, that his mother had died, and it was so, so hard for them. Um, but when my grandfather died, uh, it was different. He died a, a year later, and um, which I had always predicted he would do. <laughs> And because um, he was so, I just felt he was staying alive for her. He was really done long before she was. And um, we had such a good time at his funeral. We just, we laughed, we told stories, we had meals, we hung out. We took days to do it, and it was so much fun. Really good. Yeah. It occurs to me also, Jennifer, as we talk about all of this, that 
we're talking about eulogies that occur in the natural kind of what we call sequence of things, which were quite different than when we went to the funeral for a about to be three year old boy who drowned in the tub when the babysitter left the room. Um, you know, a eulogy in that situation to me is quite a different um, experience when we're trying to make some sense of something that makes no sense and appears to be out of sequence. And I think as students of A Course in Miracles in those moments rather than, you know, we're all kind of planning right now, but, but Course in Miracles says to just listen to guidance and to, to respond in that moment the way guidance, you know, is informing us. And uh, I hope that um, if I ever do a eulogy or anybody who's participating in mine will have that opportunity to to listen and respond. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, at, at Agape, I've been to a number of memorials, um, maybe a funeral, where that was the style of it. It was open mic. And they would still have a eulogy and still have those components, but then have open mic. And feeling for the community, very uh, loving for the family to hear so many people speak of their loved one. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when you have a group, a large group, you know, can go on a long time, but Mm -hmm. that's that's all right. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So let's go around here, since we're not doing smaller breakouts, let's go around here and in in our writing process, because I really am asking everybody to submit two eulogies to me, two written eulogies, um, and I'm not going to give you any length uh, requirement. I'll let you do what feels good to you. And again, two eulogies, one based on if you were to... Um, expire your expiration date came now and one based on um if it came decades from now so uh let's let's just work with if if it were now and let's go around the circle and just say one thing that you would like to um have acknowledged because that's really what a eulogy is partly about it's about acknowledging the person's life and their contributions um and appreciating their life what is one thing that you would like to have uh acknowledged and why so saying just um giving us a chance to brainstorm here about ourselves and our lives so, um, and I'll go first. So, what comes to me is the thing that uh, I would, one thing, it's not the thing I would like most, uh, but the thing, one thing that I would like to be acknowledged about me is that I really have uh, walked a journey. In the bedroom? 
Karen, can you self-mute or would you like me to mute you? I don't know how to self-mute. On your phone, is there a mute button? Oh. Okay, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's probably just going to be the easiest for you there. Um, uh, that what I'd like for it to be said in my eulogy is that I, 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 people actually saw me go from being someone who was sarcastic and mean and unkind and um, withholding and judgmental and attacking and belligerent and grudge holding to being the opposite, to being loving and kind and compassionate and caring and helpful and uh, and humble and have humility. And uh, that that was... Uh, a, a wonderful achievement and demonstration that inspired others. That, I think, is one of the primary things I would be interested in people sharing about my life. And the, what, why I would like that to be said is because it might inspire someone in the, the listening and the hearing to think, oh, oh, I didn't know you could do that. They might say to themselves, oh, I, what? I didn't even, how did she do, wait, now I want to know more about that. And that might be a point of inspiration for someone to actually transform their life. So, because I, I never thought it was, and that's another aspect of it is, I really never thought it was possible for me. I really didn't think it was possible for me. But I just thought, what else can I do? I have to try. I can't not try. Life without trying is unacceptable. It's just like, why continue if you're not going to at least try? That's Because I felt so low. I just couldn't. The option of not trying was just like, oh, then I, I really might as well just be dead. So I'm so glad that I had the willingness, but I also didn't feel like there was really an option. I had to try, I had to, because I was so unhappy. Thank God for my unhappiness. Yes! Thank God for my unhappiness, my pain that pushed me. <laughs> so that's, that's one, and we can just go around the circle. Who else has one? Diane? Um, yeah, I'll go next. Um, I initially talked about appreciation for life when we first started this, and I would say that would probably fit more into my eulogy when I'm older, like age 80 or, or whatever, because I kind of feel like that's more appreciating life is going to be more how I'd like to live my life going forward. And for now, um, I think what, what comes to me and it was uh, how I was described at my retirement lunch was that I was a strong advocate for others. And so because so much of my life has been wrapped up around my nursing career, it's, 
um, it, it's a huge part of who I was up until now. And, and I, so I do think that that's, um, I've had like various, um, positions with my career, but I've always been advocating for whoever, whether it was with ill people or students or whatever. So I, when she said that about me previously, I never would have described myself that way, but having heard that, I thought, yeah, that, that would fit for me. Um, which I think is sort of in my profession rather than in my, I don't know whether my family would see me that way because it's not something I ever came home and talked about or shared because uh, with a nursing career, you just can't do that. You can't really share what happened in your day with your family and non-nursing friends. You can only basically share it with your with your team that you're working with. So anyway, that's kind of what, what I've come up with. Um, and that's because of confidentiality. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge piece around that because, um, there've been instances where nurses have gone out and they're in restaurants sharing what happened during their day and somebody at the next table under when you're describing the scenario, so the confidentiality is huge. Basically, I rarely talk about my work once I leave the door of the building that I'm in. I can just basically share it with my team or um, they provide counseling if there's anything traumatic happening. But, yeah, so you can't really talk about it with your friends and family. Yeah, that, that makes sense, that confidentiality, yeah. So say it again, the, the thing that you would like to have included is that you uh, have an appreciation for life and that you're an advocate for others. Yeah, those are the two things that I've come up with for now. But the appreciation for life, I think it's, it's um, uh, the, the second eulogy that I'm going to write will be more focused yeah. around that. Okay. Yeah, but the one now for this stage of my life, advocate, advocate for others, that's what I've come up with. I mean, the one, one thing. All right. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you, Diane. Karen, I think you were uh, ready to go. It's Rich. Oh, Rich. Hi, hi there. Hey, Rich. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to talk about uh, in terms of something that I'd like people to, well, that I like to do and that I think people appreciate is to look out for other people's comforts. That's the way I chose to say it. The examples would be, um, you know, when, when co people come to visit us, you know, I, I really enjoy thinking what kind of food would they like? Uh, what kind of activities do they like? Uh, what, what, you know, what, what would help them feel more comfortable and, and maybe loved in that, in this particular setting? Uh, and in my work I did, I think I did that too with people that worked with me, but that's, that would be something I would, uh, I would hope people would appreciate and I guess would say that.
Yeah, I'm just uh, listening and feeling that. Can you just say a little bit more? I mean, we can all guess at it, but I'd like to hear it in your words. Um, what What is it about that that you like? Uh, I see... Um well, I suppose the entire process is to be able to be observant of other people so they, in fact, know what they like. So it is being mindful about people and uh, not what I would like them to like, but what they actually like, you know, uh -huh. what, they, what makes them comfort. So there is a mindfulness and then, um, you know, setting aside myself to see what is there, that is theirs. And then I suppose it is taking action to uh, to make that happen. You know, be a good host, I guess, would be a more conventional way to say it. Um, that's, that's pretty clear to me. I mean, I, I, if it isn't to you, then you have to ask me questions. <laughs> yeah, no, that's clear. That's clear. I just wanted to learn more about it from your mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, you know, in a very tangible sense, you know, when my son comes, I know that he likes uh, diet cherry Pepsi. Nobody else likes that, and or nobody else wants that. And I never have it in the house, but I would go out and buy him a big bottle of it so he'd have it when he's here because I know he enjoys that. Um, that's just a, you know, that very tangible example. I'm of the same mind. I love to do that as well. It's very enjoyable to think about how to make things more delightful, more comfortable, more special, more beautiful for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and learning about them, you know, recognizing their uh, how they like their coffee, how they like their tea, how they like their day, and just the little things that they like and being able to provide mm -hmm. them. Uh, I, I, I kind of feel sometimes it's like uh, being a, a, a fairy or an elf and being able mm -hmm. to organize these things without anybody having to ask or anyone having to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we once had a, a couple of our very close friends from Oklahoma City and they came out here to visit us and the, the, the woman of the pair came out when they were leaving and said, okay, let me tell you, you had a clock in the guest room. <laughs> you had clean air. <laughs> She's like the whole rundown, like it was a hotel. Okay, I like this, I like this, I like this. That was kind of humorous in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always love buying foods and snacks and things and that maybe people wouldn't buy for themselves mm -hmm. and things that I think they'll like and can discover then we can enjoy that together. Yeah, it's lovely. Thank you, Rich. Okay. I feel that when I'm at your house, that's for sure. <laughs> Good. Good. I do. I do. I feel you and Karen both are just wonderful hosts. Yeah.
All right. Who's next? Rand, do you want me to unmute you there? There you oh. go. I'm sorry, I canceled you out. Uh, am I there now? You're there now. Ah, very good. Um, boy, next time I plan a party, I'm going to just fly Rich in for it, I guess. He's, he's the man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed his his uh, his talk there. Um, you know, I'm still formulating in my mind, and uh, I guess in the eulogy... Remind me again what question we are answering here, or what's this breaking? Yeah, what what things would you like for people to remember about you as you've lived your life so far? What are the things that uh, you would like to be remembered for, and why? Ah, okay. I think I would like to be remembered for my kindness. in all situations and maybe not always appreciated that way, but I definitely have wanted to be kind in my interactions. That'd be the number one thing I'd like to be remembered by is, is that the, the kindest world of my life, I think, more than anything else. Mm. And why that? Um, I think that's the closest to my true essence. When I, when I get to that kindness level, I really... You know, gratitude's wrapped into it. Love is wrapped into it. Compassion is—it's all in that kindness. You are in the in the that beautiful space. And if uh, if this is the life to reach the at one minute, I think that's part of the pathway for me is to practice kindness. Yes, for sure. In all my doings. Yes. Kindness is such an expression of compassion. Yes. I guess why uh, everyone else was speaking, there was a part of me was daydreaming, I guess, that 20 years in the future, and it was other things. <laughs> That's the reason why I needed the question to refocus on what it is I was supposed to be talking about. I was getting lost in uh, my own thoughts, I think, so... Thank you. All right. Bring me, bring me back to earth. <laughs> Good. It's it's a great thing to contemplate. Yeah. All right. I succeed. I passed the ball to Carla down there. All right, Carla. Um. I'd like to read something. I just was. Didn't realize this is like what I think. I think what I'd like to do is maybe write a poem for my eulogy. I don't know, but I, can I read this? Sure, as long as it's epic. I don't know. <laughs> you decide. 
It's called Only Love. It is so beautiful. The willingness. Even when I don't seem to feel or seem willing, I am just not aware, aware of the willingness in that moment. Sometimes I plow ahead, choose, grow in awareness, awareness of willingness, truth, learn from life, the choices and experience. And sometimes I rest. I may appear like reluctance, resistance, death, even. But I'm free. Free to choose. And whatever I choose is enough. Because it could be only love. Because only love is real. Mm. So I guess what I wanted, what came to me is that I wanted to share that I'm just resting from my next sleep. My next sleep sleeping. <laughs> no. For your next it's not a sleep thing. You're breaking up a little bit there. You're resting for your next leap? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, when I first heard it, it sounded like yes. you were uh, resting for your next sleep. And I didn't quite. <sighs> yeah. Mm -hmm. or, maybe, or maybe I'm leaping. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? That's it. That's it. I think we're just like ding, 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 ding. So, willingness, and why is that important to you, that we remember you for your willingness? Because what feels like, because we're one, I mean, I don't know, this is what comes to me, is that we're one, so when they're feeling my willingness, they're feeling their willingness. So that's, willingness is so important, I feel it's so important to everything. And I really like, I can't, I don't want to make anything, but if they feel my willingness, then they can't not feel it in themselves. Yeah, what I hear in that is the resonance coupling that Venerable talks about. So, for instance, she talks about when someone hits a note on the piano, plays a note on the piano, that uh, the guitar in the room, the string will start to resonate, and that's the resonance coupling. So when one person in the room is demonstrating a willingness... Uh, then other people feel their own willingness rise. And I'm thinking of a number of scenes in movies, and uh, I can't quite identify the first one that Spirit's giving me, 
But the second one is one of my favorite scenes in one of my favorite movies. Have any of you seen the movie Norma Ray with Sally Field? And there's the theme where she stands up on the table with the sign at the workplace. I forgot. Oh, uh, I always cry like an absolute baby during that scene. <laughs> yeah. One person standing up saying no more. And the whole rooms, one by one, they agree with her. They say, okay, yeah, I'm willing to. Anybody think of a, a movie of that kind of uh, demonstration where one person says, well, I'll be willing, and then another and another and another? All right, well, there's something to look out for. I'll look for that video on Facebook, on uh, YouTube and put it in. That's a great movie. Seriously, it's one of the best movies ever. Uh, I highly recommend it. So, Jennifer, here, here's another one. This is, <clears throat> this is it's a really, really old movie. Um, and it's uh, Spartacus. You remember that old movie? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Kirk Douglas. And uh, so what happens is that the Romans capture Spartacus and his army, and they want to know who Spartacus is, and and because uh, they're going to crucify him, they're going to kill him. And so he steps up to say that he's Spartacus, that every other man in the, on the, in the troops says, says, I am Spartacus, I am Spartacus, I am Spartacus. They all give their life for, for each other, for him. Yeah. And I remember, as, uh, I think I was like about 16 or 17 years old when I saw that movie and it was very moving to me, you know, the sense that each man would give himself for yes. his brother. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I am Spartacus. I have one that's not really the movie what's all about, it's the title. I love it. It's called The Power of One. Yep. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I have to watch that. Karen, I believe you're up next if you're available. You kind of started us off, but. She actually stepped out for a minute, Jennifer, so. Oh, all right. All right, then, I'll, then that puts me up next. All right, so. Here's another one that I would love for people to say about me after I'm gone is that that I became so willing to see the pure perfection in others that I could actually see it. And it changed me. It allowed me to see that I, too, had perfection. And it enabled me to finally release any idea that I was evil or bad or unlovable. My intention 
and commitment and dedication to seeing the beauty, the perfection, and the magnificence of others really was the great gift that I gave to myself that I could also share with them. And why that's so important is much the same as last time is that it might intrigue somebody who heard it, that they would pursue that as something that they could do. And that, that it's doable, that it's healing, that seeing other people, the willingness, the dedication, the commitment to see others as perfect is actually healing to me because we could say, what's wrong with me? Nothing. What's wrong with me is really uh, not me. It's my thinking. And the most profound way to heal my thinking, my stinking thinking, is to be willing to see everyone as beautiful and perfect and whole and to not buy into whatever they're projecting into the world, no matter how intense it is. And uh, that that was that commitment, that dedication uh, transformed my heart, my mind, and my life. Such a gift I gave myself to be willing and dedicated and committed to see my brothers and sisters as the light that they truly are. So that's me. That's my next one. Who'd like, Diane, you want to, got another one there? That's a hard one to follow up on, Jennifer. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Well, you don't have to top me or anything like that. You could say, you know, she was she made the best strawberry shortcake in the universe. Well, my next one is almost there. Um, it, it's um, it's about a love of laughter and humor. Um, my father had this very very dry wit, and so that always came out in um, our family when I was growing up that he would be making these very dry humor jokes when there was a serious matter being discussed. And what would happen is my brother and I would just fall off our chairs laughing um, in this moment of seriousness, which, which was, could be annoying to people as well. Um, but I do like that really dry wit and my son has it as well. So uh, the two of us are often um, talking in, in just kind of a humorous way or trying to find the humorous side of life. Um, I love stand-up comedians. I love comedy. And um, one of the things I realized is I used to laugh a lot more than I do now. Like the last, I just feel like I don't laugh that much anymore. And something I've been conscious of because um, I, I, I just aware. And so I would like that part of my eulogy that, um, I love a funny story. I love a good joke. I love comedy. Um, 
and just trying to see life through the lens of humor. And of course, the miracles talks about that, right? We're, we forget to laugh. And, and I feel like I've forgotten to laugh um, and taken things uh, a little too seriously. So, and, and I think that would be beneficial to people who are there at my funeral or what, whatever happens for me. Um, I would like it to be on a lighter note. Um, I think that's what would help uh, my family. I'm thinking more of my children, uh, especially my son. I think if, if we can remain something to laugh about, I would hope people can share funny stories about me, things even when I was younger that made them laugh. So um, that's what, what mine is, is um, a love of laughter and humor and comedy. That's wonderful. And, um, you know, I'll just, uh, uh, you've done such a good job of telling us why. And uh, I will also recommend to you now that your work life is different that you might consider taking something like an improv class. <laughs> yeah, thank you for, for that. Um, you mean to learn? Yeah, yeah, like improv 101. Um, because you can't, you can't really fail at it. Um, it, it. Improv class is a lot of fun. And it usually is, uh, there's a lot of laughter in it. It's very playful. You'll get to meet people you wouldn't otherwise meet. And it's uh, when I've taken several improv classes, and it's what a mix of people. What a mix of people. My dad recently took some improv classes, and he's doing stand-up comedy now, which is a bit scary, um, really. <laughs> Because sometimes he tells jokes about sex and things, and it's like, oh, take a deep breath. But um, <laughs> just how many people want to hear their parents making jokes about sex and their sex life? I, I don't, uh, maybe five on all of planet Earth would be saying, yes, oh, that'd be good, you know. So, But I do wish to encourage my dad. Maybe I'll post. I should post on my Facebook page. Um, Maybe I will. Yeah, why not, right? Um, oh. <laughs> but it's he had so much fun. He had so, so much fun. And it just um, opens up new avenues of exploration and, and, um, and lightness. And lightness. And it's really, um, it's great for the ego release of attachments and, how we're viewed and being able to have humility and to laugh at ourselves. So just a, just a thought that popped in there for you, Diane, not that you should do it. Of course, it's something to play with. I really appreciate that suggestion. I don't think I would have come up with that on my own just because I have, uh, you know, like being on stage, I tend to have a bit of a shyer personality. Um, but it, it would definitely move me out of my comfort zone. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, is in an improv class, you're not going to be on stage. Because in an improv class, you're just 
in a room with others improving. It's possible that sometimes at the end of an improv class, there might be a um, invited performance where friends and family would be invited. But it would only be friends and family invited. Uh, usually, my experience is not. This is you're not professionals, so who wants to pay money to come see you? But um, sometimes they have those friends and family performances. But it's great because it's really great for the dendrites. So um, you can probably give a better explanation of dendrites than I can. But uh, I know. Um, it's, in fact, I don't know that I can give any kind of real explanation, but it's something to do with the brain and cognitive functioning. And, and uh, I know when I was in England and I learned how to not only drive on the other side of the road, but I had to sit in the other side of the car, of course, and shift with the other hand, you know. So I, I'd gotten used to shifting with the right. Now I'm shifting with the left and driving. So it was a lot of dendrites being built every time I went anywhere. But that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And um, so it, it, the other great thing about doing improv is it's, um, of course, it, it really can be a lot of fun. It's so playful. It's like being kids again. You know, you can't can't really go wrong. And especially if you're in that room as a non-judgmental person, then everybody's going to be so glad you're there. Good Lord. And um, you, it's all about thinking on your feet and being in the present moment now. And, um, and the, usually the ones who are the most successful at improv are the ones who don't care what anybody thinks. So cultivating that is a great place. Yeah, it's a great place to cultivate not caring what other people think and just being able to be free in the moment. Anybody else? Has anybody ever taken an improv class? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like the idea of the improv class more than the... the um the public speaking, you know, when you, you, Oh yeah. Forget what that's called. I just slipped my mind, but we've got that all through here. I'm sure you do in the U S as well, where you learn to stand up and give a speech um, where this is more like uh, childlike fun, right? We're, we're just here to have a good time. Exactly. And, and as you said, uh, not worry about what other people think. Uh, I think would be huge. And I, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Who's next? Rand, Carla. Here we go. Rand. Can't unmute you. There, there you we go. go. I think I'm unmuted. Ah, uh, you know, I've just been, um, trying to formulate it in as few as words as possible and that's it's just been difficult so I'll be going back on this particular thought um, I guess I, I, I would like to be uh, acknowledged for the, the, the journey that has been accomplished how far we've come in this life um, 
from growing up in a family full of people that were builders. You know, they built things and uh, they weren't really thinkers or uh, contemplators of things. And we grew up basically in a very rigid, fear-based uh, spirituality. And I tried to fit in that mold and uh, it didn't work too well. And uh, to celebrate the fact that I broke free from the, from the mold and was able to choose the path less traveled and uh, make some strides to let go of all this stuff and to really open your heart. Instead of living a left-brained experience, move into a full whole brain experience and um, since this is 20 years in the future now I'm, I'd say I'd like to regain the childlike essence where everything you laugh all day at everything uh, the, the absurdity of it all and uh, that's my goal in life is to retain the the laughter of children I guess and experience the world with the new eyes again and unjudgmental, uncritical eyes and uh, experience uh, through that experience. I, I'm rambling. <laughs> no, no, I, I think what you first was great. Because we're, we're, we're still on the things of if, if the eulogy would have given today, but I, I do think that, um, that that's a wonderful just a willingness to see with new eyes all the time. I know that's one of my prayers and my intentions is to see what I haven't seen, to not see through the lens of the past anymore, to see what's really there and to see the opportunity that's in every moment and to have the lightness of being, you know, one, that's one of the great gifts that I received being able to spend time with uh, both my nephew Mikey and with Venerable is um, they are they have that lightness of being. Both very strongly have that lightness of being. Sweet. Yes, it is sweet. Yes, that's something I I would like to cultivate even more in my next few decades yeah definitely yeah because i'm thinking i got four or five more decades at least yeah i don't even want to be at the halfway point and i'm i'm going for transfiguration <laughs> i'm going for yeah diane um Thanks, Rand, for your share. I, I just had a question um, that came up around that. Um, there's a sense of as people get older, they become more tr um, physically transparent. Have you heard that? Or you probably know a lot about that, Jennifer, but. Um, you mean like more luminous? Yeah, luminous. That's a great word to describe it. But um, yeah, this, it's a beautiful thought of. Um, the, the lightness and the luminosity and, and the transparency, not so much um, in your mind, but in your body as well, that, that all those layers of your body become 
so much lighter. So thanks, Rand, for bringing that up. It's just a beautiful thought. Yeah, what I think about with that, too, is letting go of the... Um, armor letting go of the armor the mental emotional armor mhm mm yes that's uh letting the freedom come through yeah a lot of older people have freedom I know one of the things that Venerable does is she talks a lot about the elders and how she learned so much from them as she was growing up. And she said a lot of times when people would say crazy things around the elders and nonsensical things, um, that they would just, um, they just didn't even acknowledge it. It didn't rail against it or say anything they'd just be like like it was not even a thing like it wasn't said it wasn't mentioned it was just kind of just not acknowledged not almost ignored like why would you pay attention to insanity or foolishness just don't engage with it mm-hmm yeah, being non-reactive. Carla? Um, and it's interesting is that I think I was thinking about it like five minutes ago and then you kind of mentioned it and I'm like, at first I could see, uh, oh, she said, and I'm like, yeah, we are one. <laughs> and as it, if I want to speak about me, like, it's really interesting, toward the end of her life, she saw everything from a whole new perspective. That I would be, I would used to say things, and she goes, huh. And she'd say something that, where I would see it completely different from where I had been looking at it, and just because she would share a different perspective and I'd see the possibility of looking at it differently. And it was kind of amazing. And I don't know. So I'll be it. So how would you describe that quality, uh, Carla, if you were going to say, I'd like to embody this quality. How, how might you describe it? I guess the word that comes to me is transfiguration or transformation. But, um, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting that I would even think of that because that's one of the willingness statements I, I said is I'm willing to, I don't know how I wrote it exactly, to see this from a whole new perspective. And it's like, right. I am, I am becoming those willingness statements. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's why I tell people 
when you don't feel willing to do something or something is challenging, create a willingness statement that you that you are willing to do about it, or something you're interested in doing, and it will shift to you. And I'm telling you, I never imagined it ever that it has done that for me. Beautiful. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. Last call here. We've got time for a couple more. Rich, Karen. I like, um, I'm thinking about uh, the quality of adventuresomeness and discovery. I, I like that. Um, Karen and I have done a lot of adventuresome things, especially in the latter part of our life, and uh, discovered interesting things, met interesting people. <clears throat> and so I guess that characteristic of being willing to, you know, I always say, like, the Grand Canyon is an example. If you look from the south rim, you, you, it's like looking at the roof of a house. you got to go down into it to, 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 to really experience it and the willingness to do that. Or, you know, climb Kilimanjaro, it's got to be, you know, you've got to be willing to make the climb to get the beauty. You know? So um, that, that sort of characteristic is one that I think would be nice to be remembered. Mm, yes. Mm hmm. And say more about why you'd like to be remembered for that. Uh, I think it's. Um, well, I, I, I'm people have told us it's inspirational, so I guess it's inspirational to other people to be, you know, willing to do similar kinds of things or to reach out for a goal or. Uh, yeah, or literally and metaphorically to climb the mountain, you know. So it might be inspirational. It, uh, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Great. Yes. I have one more. Can you speak it? Yes, Carla. That, so I'm speaking about me, but Whenever I remember Carla, that she was very comfortable in the comfortable. And toward the end of her life, she became very comfortable with the uncomfortable and the unknown. Yeah, that's very much an adventurer spirit. Yeah, they are linked. That's great. Yes. Yes, that makes me also think that uh, I would like to, um, I'm not there yet, but I'm on the path of being unbotherable. I'm not as botherable as I used to be, but I'm not completely unbotherable yet. Anybody else? It's our time here.
Well, I'm just going to mention to your unbotherable thing that I, I can't inform. I can't seem to do that either, but I'm noticing it. I'm watching it a lot more. Yes, that choice point. Yeah. Awesome. That's me too. Hashtag me too. Um, wh where uh, you just mentioned adventure there, Rich. You know, my, uh, my pal Lisa Natoli and uh, Rosalind Rourke, who's in year three, um, mm -hmm. went with a group of other people this summer for two weeks, I think it was on a Camino walk. And do you, do you know about that? Uh, I heard someone told me that Lisa was doing a trip there. She and Bill went and Rosalind went with them. They had a group of maybe 20 people that went. But right. they, they walked a different route. Anybody know what route they walked? Do you know, Carla? I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But it was a different did they, did, they, did they walk walk the Portuguese, the second half of the Portuguese? I think is they did. Right? Lisa said it was not arduous. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the, they say, and I haven't done it myself, the walk from Porto. The Portuguese goes from Lisbon. The second half of it is from Porto to Santiago. I don't, I've never heard anybody describe it as not arduous. <laughs> So, I've never heard anyone describe any any Camino is not arduous, but yeah. Well, said, did they ride? Did they ride the bus all the way? Did they have she a bus? did not. She did not, and uh, I helped her shop for her clothes um, uh -huh. uh, that she was taking because she was very intent on just taking her own backpack and not. Okay. Yeah, and that's what she did, and. Um, I'd be curious if you ever find out what, what she walked because, uh, uh, maybe she went from Saria, uh, Saria and that's probably not arduous. And that's the last hundred kilometers, which is not really, if they did it in two weeks, then they really took their time and probably didn't walk, you know, just took easy steps. So that would make it less arduous. And a lot of people go from Saria into, uh, Santiago because that's the minimum amount that you can do and get a Compostela. Uh, but you know, if you when you get to Saria and you walk, lots of people are starting there. So that may be what she did. I'm going to see if I can look it up here on Facebook real quick. Um, see if it's on her. Um, She went in June. I'm just going to see if I can back up here to June real quick. Um, I don't have a lot of bandwidth, so it's a little challenging to do both at the same time. Um, I think uh, I think Karen and I and our daughter and granddaughter are going to walk part of the Camino in October. Ah, nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, I was thinking, you know, as I keep rethinking it, I think, oh, maybe next year. Because mm -hmm. um, one of the things that she did was uh, with Lisa's trip, 
Um, I'm just looking to see if uh, she's got it here. Um, uh, she she says, oh, they ended in Santiago. Right. They walked 150 miles. Um, I don't even know how to call her. You know, it started. Uh, oh, hey, that's, yeah. that's a little more. I'm not sure where they started, though. Let's see. Yeah. And But they stayed in really nice places. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Well, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Okay, here's the beginning. Wait. They're going along the coast of Portugal. Yeah, so then they went, they probably started in Porto. And, yeah. Yeah, they did. I'm yeah, just, that's, that's, that's a completely different route than what we've done. Yeah. Um, I see day two is Porto. Yeah, okay. So that's the second half of the Portuguese commune. Starts in Lisbon, and people tell us that the Lisbon to Porto is really not fun at all. It's very difficult, and it's not, not very good accommodation. But once you get to Porto and head Santiago, that's quite a bit nicer and, and pretty good accommodations all the way. I think they took a bus. Yeah. That makes it a lot easier when you take a bus. Anyway, um, just thinking about, you know, I'm going to talk about it some more with Lisa and others and yeah. see yeah. if it could be done that way. So maybe you two would be interested in doing that part. They, and uh, others. Pardon? And others in our Ascension Pathway group. Ah. Yeah, I've seen uh, situations where they will have buses and they will people will walk a certain amount and then the bus comes by and picks them up and takes them to where they're staying for the night and and uh, uh, and if people get really tired and they don't want to walk they or they get a blister or they have something they can just be on the bus. So mm-hmm. It's a yeah. it's a it's a kind of trip. Yeah. All right. All right. Anybody have a final thought or word? Let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and thankful that the light is shining in our mind. It's shining in our heart. And we are saying yes to an awareness of perfect love shining forth as the depth and breadth of our life and our experience. We're giving to the Holy Spirit free reign in our mind to clear away that which is false and undesirable. We're grateful and thankful to claim our healing and to truly share the benefits of shining the light with everyone. We're grateful and thankful that our very life is the life of God and our mind is the mind of God now and forevermore. We are grateful and thankful to say yes to it. We allow it to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Amen.
beautiful. What a wonderful, intimate class. Mwah. I love you. Bye for now. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Take care, everybody.